everybody and welcome to a new episode of Evie's Korean Drama Podcast Show. My name is Evie, I'm your host, and I am a K-drama obsessive. So this is the show where I waffle on about all of the K-drama that I love. If you'd like to support the show, you can check out my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Evie Korean Drama Podcast. There you will find extra podcast episodes and updates on what I'm watching at the moment. Also, just before I get started, please be warned that I do swear a little bit on this show when I get excited. And when I'm talking about K-drama, I always get excited. Alright, so I thank you very, very much for listening and let's get on with the K-drama show. drama that I'm going to be talking about today on the show is called Search. So Search is actually kind of a mini series in a way. It's only 10 episodes, which I didn't know while I was watching it. Um, it is called Search, like I just said, which in Hangul is Sochi. Sochi. Um, so it's an OCN drama. It definitely has that OCN grit and look and atmosphere and feel. And I feel like they just have a style to the way that OCN dramas are shot. And I think it's so interesting that you can kind of watch a drama now and be like, oh, that's an OCN drama. Um, I don't know. I think it's really cool just because I guess that kind of look and feel really appeals to me with these, you know, slightly more thriller orientated dramas. Um, and that is what this one is. It's a thriller. <laughs> so Search uh, is a very late 2020 drama um, coming out towards the end of the year. I feel complicated about it. Um, I don't know why, but this was like, I was highly anticipating this drama and I feel like I almost shot myself in the foot, to use an expression that quite suits this drama, because there's a lot of guns in this drama. Um, but I think I, I really had some weirdly high expectations. I mean, I didn't have expectations that it would be a fantastic drama, but I was so excited for it that I wanted it to be really great. So I guess I put a lot of pressure on it. Pressure on the drama? Is that the right way to say that? <laughs> um, I was really, really hopeful that I would really love this and I really wanted to really love it. And I think, I do wonder if I had gone into this drama with slightly lower kind of anticipation about how good I really hoped it would be, I wonder if I would have just kind of settled down and just enjoyed the ride of what it was, even though I think in the end, particularly the last half, it wasn't kind of quite what I wanted. I think the first half of the drama really came close for me with, you know, just a really dark, gritty, exciting, atmospheric and very creepy thriller, which basically is just a bunch of soldiers hunting a monster in the DMZ, which for me is just like concept wise. It's so exciting. It's so unique. It's so interesting. The drama is set in, you know, in a village in the DMZ, which is not anything that I've ever seen before. Um, so I was, I've, I just found the whole thing very fresh and unique and exciting, but very like deliciously dark and creepy. Like it really looks good, this drama. Um, but then the second half of the drama for me kind of 
I felt like it kind of devolves into less of the cool immediate hunt stuff um, and more into this kind of far-reaching conspiracy that for me had a lot of like a lot of confusion, a few boring politicians and some kind of leaps of logic with how some of the evidence gets found and like who the players are that are involved. And I kind of didn't love that three of the characters, you know, these young soldiers all happen to be connected through their families to this, you know, conspiracy incident that happened in the past. So it just felt like one too many coincidences for me that I feel like kind of just brought down the storytelling a little bit. And on top of that, particularly in the second half, I began to feel just not hugely emotionally connected to the characters or the show. But I'll talk about a lot of that stuff in my later section, um, you know, stuff I didn't love, because there is a lot to love about this show as well. And I do want to make it really clear that other people watching this might have a very, very different experience watching it, I think, just because um, I really did come to this show with some weird expectations <laughs> around what I wanted it to be. And I think if you're just like, eh, I'll give this show a go, you might really love it. You might be like, wow, what a wild, unexpected ride, because it is. Um, there really is so much to love about this show. And I think even once I've done talking about the whole thing and kind of talking about the stuff that didn't hold up for me, I still wouldn't kind of warn anyone away from watching it. I think it's a really good watch and I think it's well worth your time. It just, for me, wasn't quite what I, I think I thought it almost could have been. And I think particularly at the start, I was like, whoa, holy shit, like this is exciting. This could be really, really good. Um, so I feel for me, like really randomly in 2020, one of my favorite K-dramas that came out in 2020 that I watched was the, um, you know, OCN kind of parallel worlds detective thriller, um, called Train. And I think that's why coming off the back of that and loving it so much unexpectedly, I think, um, I was kind of hoping that search would be very much feel that same kind of spot for me and that I would feel the same way about it. Um, and that just didn't quite happen. Um, so, but I, I kind of wonder if that's some of that's a bit of my own fault with just approaching it in a not very open-minded way, I suppose. Um, so anyway, that's a lot of waffle about how I felt about the drama. I'll just talk about the casting before I get into the set up. So I think the casting is really solid. I actually really liked everyone who was in it. I felt like some of the characters are kind of shortchanged or underdeveloped or underused, a few of them. And some of them are like overused. <laughs> There's like one character I found very boring who was just like overused, <laughs> but that's just personal. Um, but the main male lead in this drama is played by the actor Jung Dong-yoon. So Jung Dong-yoon is... Like, I guess he's newer, but he's been around for a while, but he's, he's kind of shot to fame, I think, in 2019 with his role in Tale of Noctu as the cross-dressing uh, warrior pretending to be a, a widow woman. Um, he was so good in that drama, so I, I, I wasn't at a point where I was going to, like, follow him around drama land, but I really loved Tale of Noctu, so I was very happy when I saw he was cast in this. Um, and I think... I think the actor Dong Dong-yoon does really, really well in Search. I think he's very likable. He kind of plays this almost an everyman in a way, like he's very good at what he does. Um, but one thing I really love, like the whole this whole drama Search is about, you know, 
a kind of crack team of soldiers who are sent to the DMZ on a very highly secretive mission. But one thing I really, really loved is that Jung Doong, uh, <laughs> Jung Dong Yoon's character, um, confusingly for me, who's called Yong Dong Jin, which is very similar but different. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, Jung Dong Yoon's character is a soldier who has a search dog, which I really loved the whole search dog thing. I think that's so cool. But the thing I really, really loved about him is that he isn't like an intense soldier. Like this isn't his career. I'm saying career because in my accent, Korea and Korea sound exactly the same and it's very confusing. So I'm not talking about the country career. I'm talking about his lifelong professional career. Um, just to confuse you guys. <laughs> oh, fuck. I'm really getting off topic. Um, so he is not a career soldier. Um he, you know, he's doing his army duty. So he's this young dude who has a dream for his life. He wants to be a vet. He's got his good marks at school and he's doing his time in army before he gets on with the rest of his life. Um, so I really liked that as kind of a concept for a main character. I liked that he was just, he, see, he comes across as a very normal dude. Like he's very capable, but he's not always right. He's a little bit blustery. He makes some mistakes and he does some silly stuff, but he's also very good when it counts. Like he, he's very brave and he'll throw himself in and he'll do the right thing. And yeah, he's very like, he'll definitely do the right thing. He's never swayed <laughs> by, you know, temptation like some of the other characters in this drama are. So I, I find him really, really likable. Um, Jung Dong-yoon's character, the main character in the drama. Um, Dong-jin is his name. Um, so I really liked his whole thing. I thought it was really good. And I don't think I felt like he was undeveloped or di uh, underdeveloped or didn't have enough to do. I thought they did really well with his character. Um, the female lead is played by the actress Crystal, who I have seen in quite a few dramas over the years. I feel like she is a K-pop um, idol, uh, I believe. And she's also been in quite a few dramas as well. I really liked her in this, but I did feel like she was underused. I feel like they could have done more with her character um, and I found her character super interesting so she plays a, a soldier called Sonia Rim um, because I'm not super familiar with the different like army departments in South Korea she's from a different kind of area than the main army she wears like a different uniform and she seems quite um, like she's kind of to do with labs and laboratories and testing and like investigations, but maybe like kind of like medical kind of stuff. Um, so she's kind of on the case, uh, Sonia Rim, her character, um, because there's some something going on in the DMZ, like there's disappearances and murders, but it seems to have some sort of thing which they're suspecting is like a rabies virus, which is you know not anything that they've seen before. So that's kind of her way into, I guess, this little operation. But I found her character really interesting and I wanted to know more about her. And I feel like you never really dig deep into who she is, why she's joined the army, why she's so like she she is a career soldier from Korea. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, so, yeah, she's very, you know, she's very professional and she's very serious about her job. And at times during the drama, she's like super capable and cool and does like at the end, there's this action sequence where she is fucking hardcore. And I was like, whoa. And I was kind of like, oh, I wish I could have seen her being cooler more often. I feel like she gets a little bit sidelined. I almost feel like for such a short runtime 10 episodes there's slightly too many characters and too many of them are given just like a little bit of screen time to the point where no one really gets 
enough. Um, so I feel like they could have been more done with her, but I still really liked her. I liked her character. I thought it was interesting. There's kind of a romance thing, but not really. At the very start, they hint, you know, like uh, the female lead, Sonia Rim, the character, and Don, uh, Dong Jin, the main guy played by the actor Jung Dong-yoon. So they've had a relationship in the past. She's broken up with him and they're very like pissy and catty at each other, which is very funny, like very bickery at the start. And then I feel like it just dissipates and there's nothing, you know, they kind of just care if the other one dies. But I don't know. I feel like that was a thread that I would have loved to have delved into deeper. But that's a personal thing. Like I love romance. I wish it could have just been... I know there's not a lot of room for it in this drama, um, but I, I would have liked a bit more hinting at it, a bit more bickering between them just to keep that chemistry alive, where I th feel like it just sort of died and it wasn't even a thing after a while. Um, there's a lot of other characters in the drama. There's kind of uh, four other dudes who are part of this crack team, this specialist group. Um, they're all good, but I feel like there's just so many people that kind of get developed and then just kind of drop off into the sidelines and suddenly don't matter anymore or kind of have boring conspiracy storylines. Um, but one character that I really, really liked who, or I feel like on the, the posters, he's billed as the second male lead, like he's billed as a main character, but realistically he's given, you know, not a huge amount. So played by the actor Yoon Park. Um, Yoon Park, is from heaps of dramas. Um, Hello, My Twenties is the first one I saw him in where I just loved him. He played um, the love interest for Han Yeri's character. So he played a chef who was really in love with her. And oh, that was, I just adored it. So I've really liked him since seeing him in that role. Um, he's so good in this. Like for me, he was like, a bit of a standout. Um, he plays, uh, I don't know if it's like Sergeant or oh, Captain, Captain Song. There you go. So he's put in charge of this whole mission. But when we first see him, he's like locked up in like a military prison awaiting some sort of, you know, I guess punishment for something. And it's kind of like a last resort. Like he needs to get this sort of this mission that might be a bit dirty. He needs to get it done and he needs to get it done quietly there's all this pressure on him and he really wants a promotion and we understand that he's from you know a very poor background he doesn't have connections which is why he's sort of like you know having bad connections I guess now with dirty politicians and stuff so I found his whole thing completely fascinating because he's a bit of an anti-hero you never know if he's just going to be bad or if he's going to do the right thing at some point and kind of turn around, you never know if he's just going to be selfish or not. And he comes across as really a bit scary, like very cold. And you're like, oh, I don't know what this dude's capable of. Um, so I just found him so interesting. And then I feel like he, he just didn't get enough time on screen. We didn't get to peel back the layers. We never knew. And his ending at the end of the drama was just like, Puff, and now he's gone. Don't worry about him. We're never going to talk about him again. He just had the stupidest fucking death scene <laughs> I've ever seen in a drama. I was like, what? So, I mean, this is just personal. I just happened to really like him and want to know more. I just thought his character was so interesting. And I was like, he could have been the lead of his own drama, frankly. And he just was like a little nothing in the end, which was a bit depressing, but whatever. Um, and then there's one more character that I'm going to mention. So the whole drama takes place in this village, which I'll talk about in a second during my setup section. But there is an actress called Moon Jong-hee, who I didn't really know or recognize particularly. She plays a character called Kim Da-jung. Jong. Da-jong. Mm. So Dajong is a villager. Um, she's this married woman with a little kid, and she used to be like a special 
I don't know, whatever soldier. So she's, you know, has all these skills, but now she's just like an Aduma living in this, this village in the DMZ and pottering around in the garden, but she keeps snooping and getting involved. I didn't really love her character at all. I felt like she was given so much screen time and so much like character development and just so much time spent on her and the villagers. And in the end, she doesn't really very much at all come into the main plot. Like, really? Like, I feel like there are one or two instances where she sort of helps out. But you could have easily just had a different character help out in those one or two instances. Like, she could have just been wiped clean from this drama that I feel had so many characters already. Like, and I just didn't think that they needed to spend so much time on her. Um, so for me, I didn't love that aspect of the drama. But I don't know, maybe that's just a personal thing. I just felt like there was way more interesting characters like Crystal's character, Sonia Rim, or Yoon Park's character, Captain Song, that I wanted to know more about. And I couldn't understand why I was just constantly watching this, um, you know, very nice and very skilled and very fucking nosy Ajuma just sort of like rolling around the neighborhood being like, hmm, hmm, what's going on? I'm going to figure out this conspiracy. And I'm like, why don't you just not do that and go home and watch TV? <laughs> she was fine. It was fine. I just didn't love her. All right. I'm going to do setup now. <laughs> All right. So let's see if I actually remember how the drama search started. <laughs> so pretty much, I think it opens, um, it opens in 1997 and we see the start of this kind of, it's set in the DMZ and this kind of tussle between some North Korean soldiers and some South Korean soldiers and it all goes terribly and it's pretty confusing and a whole bunch of people die. Um, I think there's a North Korean sort of like military research uh, couple and they're baby that are trying to defect and they're trying to bring some sort of technology that they've sort of tried to, I don't know, create some radioactive thing. And basically it all goes to shit. Everyone dies. And it's it's a good way to start the drama, but I just didn't love how all that stuff comes back into the drama later. I feel like it just would have been nice if the baby wasn't there and it, you know, wasn't someone's parents and just all these connections for me were a bit much. But anyway, then we go to 2020 and we come across Dong Jin, who is our main uh, male lead character played by the actor Jung Dong Yoon. So Dong Jin is a soldier. He's doing his army duty. He is in his like, I don't know, last two weeks of it of something. And he's part of a search unit. So if someone goes missing in the mountains, he and his search unit are sort of like, you know, deployed to go and find them. And he has a cool search dog, like a military dog. So I I really loved all the military dog stuff. Um, I'm actually a cat person. <laughs> I don't know if that turns people off me because I know a lot of people are dog people, but cat cats are just my thing. So I'm not like a huge, like every time I see a dog on screen, I'm like, oh my gosh. But I really liked all the dog stuff in this. And I liked it to the point where I felt like a lot of, again, this is my preconceived sort of notions of what the drama would be. I feel like all the early advertisement was like, hey, look at soldier Dongjin and he's cool dog. And then when the drama starts, I felt like there was just not quite as much dog stuff as I thought there was going to be. And I was like, where's the dog? I want more dog. But anyway, at the start, there's a lot of dog. So that was good. 
So Dong Jin and his dog um, and his like little team of search dudes are all deployed into some mountains. Just like I think they're, they're kind of stationed near the DMZ, but they're still in South Korea at this point. And a wolf has gotten free from, I don't know, like a fucking zoo or some shit. I have no idea. And so they go off into the mountains and Dong Jin is like, he's super blustery and he's kind of really good at his job, but he's kind of also just a normal dude who kind of talks himself up a little bit sometimes. So he's very likable though. Um, one thing I'll mention that I really loved is this whole drama is set during like the height of summer. So everyone is just, you just get this feeling of this sweltering, hot, humid summer with all these people in these like, you know, mad big military uniforms just sweating their faces off. Um, so it's very atmospheric and I really liked that sort of thing. You can almost just like feel the heat from watching this drama. So I felt like that was very atmospheric and I liked it. Um, and I, I also really liked, I think one thing I really liked about the heat aspect is because when you think of thrillers, Usually when you say thriller, the first thing that comes into your mind is like cold, like, you know, cold, slick thriller. And I loved that we have, it is a thriller. It's like it got all this action stuff, but it's, you know, humid and sweltering hot and everyone's like just sticky and uncomfortable the whole time. So it just, I don't know, it was a good vibe for some reason. I just really noticed it and liked it. <laughs> um, so Dong Jin and his mates, um, because of Dong Jin's cool search dog, they locate the wolf within two minutes. And Dong Jin is just real uppity. He's like, you know, like he turns his back on this like growling wolf and he's kind of like making fun of, fun of all like the other dudes in his eunuchs. They're trying to climb trees to get away from it. Um, and then it turns out that Crystal and her character Sonia Rim so she's from this more elite, you know, permanent army unit. I have no idea what it is, but they wear black and have different uniforms and are a bit cooler, I guess, than the average punter guy. Um, so she turns up and they, you know, have just better equipment and they're better prepared and they're looking for this wolf as well. So they put up drones and they, but they find it really quickly. But when they get there, obviously Dong Jin's already there because he has this cool search dog. Um, so Sonia Rim kind of solves the situation, saves everyone, but Dong Jin gets like stabbed with some uh you know what's that thing you you put into a wild animal so it goes to sleep for a while so you can move it around and it doesn't like eat you that thing happens to him <laughs> so he gets a syringe of whatever that is into his leg i've momentarily completely forgotten what that is um and he's completely unconscious so sonia rim never actually sees him she just knows that there's a soldier and his dog and they found the wolf really quickly so next, there's kind of this really scary scene in the DMZ, um, and it really took me a while to understand because I probably, I mean, I don't know enough about the DMZ and how it works, um, so I ended up looking up some stuff because I was a bit confused by the locations in this drama. So it turns out, um, I, I'm not sure, like, you know, I'm no expert at this, I just sort of Googled it for two seconds, but the DMZ is this huge area that is between South Korea and North Korea, obviously, um, and it's fenced off and there's like military on both sides. Um, and apparently the DMZ itself is kind of like governed over by the UN, but at the same time within the DMZ, like on the other side of you know, the, the fences, barbed wire fences and all the military, there are villages. So there is a village, um, I think more than one village um, in the DMZ. And this is real. I don't know if the village in this drama is real, but I looked it up and there are villages like this. Um, so it's on the South Korean side of the DMZ in the DMZ. So it's like it's over the fence. It's 
like a one kilometer or something away from a North Korean village, which is also located in the DMZ. So it's just really interesting. There's just people that live there in this village and they have agriculture. And apparently there are some advantages to living there in that you don't get taxed in the same way. So they're South Koreans, these people who live in this village, even though they live above the DMZ line, but they still below North Korea. Um, but obviously there's also kind of some weird stuff. So there's curfews and stuff like that. And also you have to be careful. There's military everywhere and there is the potential for North Korean soldiers to kind of, or villagers, I suppose, to accidentally sort of stray <laughs> right into your village. Like there's no fence or anything. There's just, um, you know, mountains in between. So I was really, really surprised and shocked. I, I didn't realize that people lived in the DMZ like that. And I found out that in these villages, the only people who are allowed to live there are people who were living there, um, you know, before there was a DMZ um, or whose ancestors were living there before DMZ. So if your you know, ancestor lived there, but you've moved somewhere else in South Korea, you're allowed to move back to the village. Um, so I, I found that really quite fascinating. So anyway, the big long story is that within this village, like there's um, a mine collecting unit and this mine collecting unit is sort of like doing patrols. And obviously they're trying to remove mines from the Korean war, from the surrounding areas, because there's villagers who live here and farm here. And there's two soldiers and they get attacked and it looks like they get attacked by a human, but this human is not acting human. It's very inhuman, shall we say. Basically, there's a fucking monster in the DMC and it's some sort of jacked up human who's crazy and like murdering people. So Sonia Rim, who's Crystal's character, gets kind of sent into the scene of this crime and there's blood everywhere and she takes a sample and she's like, this blood is fucking weird. It's like, you know, I don't know, altered blood and it's like superhuman weird. So she thinks there's something to do with rabies as a virus. They're really worried there's a missing soldier and they need to find him. So a kind of a crack team is going to get put together. No, that's not what happens. That happens later. Sorry, guys. I'm very confused. So Sonia Rim um, kind of asks for the dude with the search dog because she knows the search dog did a really good job last time. So her and then Dong, Yu, uh, Dong Jin turns up, so our main character, um, and they kind of get put on this little mission together to go in at night in the dark to try and find this missing soldier who has potentially been dragged away, leaking blood. So everyone's pretty worried about whether he is, you know, okay or not. And spoiler alert, he is not okay. <laughs> So um, when Sonia Rim first sees Dong Jin, they're both like, oh, no, because they're exes. They used to date. And I feel like I really loved that at the start. And then I feel like it just sort of doesn't get mentioned a lot ever again. And they just sort of forget about it. But I would have loved it if that had been a bigger factor of the drama the whole way through. But anyway, so they go in and it's this really amazing like night mission scene. And everyone's got this like intense military gear and all these like lights and cameras and infrared and like big fucking guns and I don't know like it's very cool it's a very creepy thrillery kind of thing and they're like creeping around in this you know valley under moonlight with all this really long wavering grass and there's just like something creepy out there and they basically find this this soldier that's been dragged away and he's covered in blood and he is he's fucking dead he's dead he's super super dead um, so they wrap him up to bring him back to base. But while they're there, Dong Jin and Son Ye Rim both see someone, a human, in the grass. They also see a bunch of fucking mad, weird dogs, which are wild dogs that look like they've also been infected with this, like, rabies or whatever. So they're trying to, like, kill the dogs and escape. But they also see 
some sort of humanoid figure that is weird and moves way too fast and is very scary. So at first they're like, oh, we think these dogs have attacked this soldier that's dead and dragged him off. But now they're like, oh, we don't know if this is dogs. Like we think this is somebody. And Dong Jin's cool search dog just goes like crazy and it runs away from him. And this is like, I feel like they didn't set it up enough for us to understand that this is highly unusual behavior for this dog. Like this is like a full on military trained dog. It does what it's been trained to do, but it goes crazy and it just runs away and he can't control it and won't listen to him. Um, so at the time when I was watching the drama, I was like, hmm, that's not very professional. But then in hindsight, I, I kind of realized from the way all the characters were acting that this was like, this is weird. Like, why did this happen? How strange. Because I was like, Dong Jin's not very good at his job, though, is he? Like, he's not very good at controlling this doggo. Um, but anyway, so the dog runs off and Dong Jin runs off after the dog and the dog runs into like a minefield. And Dong Jin just sort of runs into the minefield too. Um, luckily, Dong Jin, Dong Jin doesn't get blown up but very very I was quite upset it's really horrible um very sadly the dog does it gets blown up and then Dong Jin comes and he finds you know the dog's still there he's like dying it's really fucking sad and he's Dong Jin's just like bawling his eyes out he's crying he's freaking out um and then so the dog who's died and Dong Jin is super upset and then also this dead soldier they all get transported back to headquarters Sonia Rim our female lead takes the dead dude into her headquarters of whatever this medical investigation military thing that she works at and they start trying to like you know examine him and figure out is he infected with something because he looks fucking weird he has weird like blisters and burn marks up his arm and something strange about him um and meanwhile Dong Jin is just you know, super sad about his dog dying, but there was a camera on the dog because it's part of its military doggo outfit. I don't know how these things work. And they watched this video and they realized the dog didn't die from a, you know, an underground mine. It actually attacked a humanoid figure that killed it, that threw it into the mine, um, which then exploded. So they realized that there is some sort of human out there and they can kind of tell that it seems different, like it's too fast, it's a bit too scary. But all the military upper people are just like, this is probably a North Korean soldier gone rogue or the North Koreans are trying to do something weird. We need to go get this dude. Like we need to hunt down this guy and kill him basically or capture him alive, but basically kill him because he's murdered a South Korean soldier. So they decide to put together this like little crack team. And meanwhile, Dong Jin has been put into military prison, even though he's got like two days left or something of military service because he disobeyed an order at one point during that mission. I can't remember what it was, but his superior was like, do this. And he was like, I'm going to go do this other thing over here. So it wasn't a big deal. Um, but the military obviously is taking that as a big deal because if you're in the military, that is a big deal. But Dong Jin is not like a super military sort of dude. And he's like, I don't want to be in military prison. So while he is in military prison, Dong Jin gets put in a room with this very scary looking other dude who's this other young man, slightly older than Dong Jin, played by the actor Yoon Park. Um, so this is Captain Song. And he is in this military prison, clearly awaiting court martialing. And 
Dongjin, because he's such a like blustery kind of guy, he's like, you know, kind of tries to, I don't know, sort of have one up on Captain Song. And Captain Song just like is scary as fuck and just shuts him down and is like, and then Dongjin just goes and sits by himself in the corner really quietly. So he does not have a high opinion of Captain Song. Like he's quite scared of him. He thinks he's a psycho. Um, I thought the whole thing was very cool and I wanted to know more about Captain Song. So anyway, uh, this kind of crack team is put together because there's some politicians and some high up sort of military command. And they're all like, we got to go get this dude from the DMZ and stop him from like murdering everybody. So um, this crack team is put together, which turns out like Sonia Rim is put on the team because she. Oh, so the body that gets brought back, that she's brought back to her military, whatever headquarters, comes back to life. And he's a mad zombie at her and sort of attacks her. And this is a point where I was like, Sonia Rim does not handle getting attacked by a zombie very well. And later on in the drama, she's like the coolest fighter ever. There's this scene where she like hand to hand combat fights this like crack team military dude. And she's like, it's amazing. It's so intense. And then like they fall on the ground and she like literally snaps his neck with her hands. Like it's so intense. And yet at the start of the drama, when this um, dead soldier comes back to life and turns into a mad zombie, he attacks her and he throws her across the room. And then she stands up and turns her back on him and tries to make a phone call. <laughs> and she calls Dong Jin, who's fucking who knows where in the DMC. <laughs> it's like nowhere nearby. He, he can't help you. She doesn't even call the like, I don't know, the security team, the military police. Like what? She has a fucking gun. And she's like, I'm just going to put my back to this big zombie guy and make a phone call. <laughs> so obviously that doesn't work out well. The, the zombie just runs at her and luckily he doesn't snap her neck or stick his fingers in her throat. And instead he just sort of like bowls her over and she falls on the ground. Um, so I feel like she handled that really badly. <laughs> I didn't like it. I wanted her to be cooler than that. But I feel like the drama was trying to make it out like she was cool. Like in the end, she like shoots him and it's slightly cool. But I, I still just couldn't get it out of my head that she <laughs> turned her back on a zombie. She just don't do that. That's silly. <laughs> Anyway, so um, obviously this guy coming back to life is a bit of a shock. They start like, you know, researching and they're like, oh, what's going on with his blood? The rabies? Oh, dear. So then they decide that, you know, her as the leader of this investigation into this rabies virus thing has to be on this crack team mission that are hunting this target in the DMZ. And because there's an evil politician that's trying to hide something from the DMZ incident, of 1997, whereby he, you know, this politician is running for president. He's this really kind of hammy <laughs> caricature of a dude. I didn't really love him. I didn't love any of his stuff. Um, but he was obviously on the, you know, in the military at that time. He's lost a leg. He's come out of this incident from 1997 that we see at the start of the drama, like a total hero. And he's banked his whole political career on being this hero. But of course, he's hiding something and he might not quite be the hero that everyone thinks he is. Um, so he goes to the military prison and picks up Captain Song and is like, hey, Captain Song, do you want to not go to military prison? And Captain Song is like, yes, I want to not do that. So he gets assigned to be the leader of this special crack team who are out to get this target in the DMZ. Um, much to Dong Jin's like blurg, because he really doesn't like this dude. So basically, we just get this assembled group of soldiers and they get sent to this village, which I can't remember what it's called, 
Chongangri, something like that. Um, so this is a village within the DMZ. And the villagers who live there, who are all like, you know, doing agricultural stuff, um, this really quiet little place, they all think that this is a mine collection team. So they're very used to having military like personnel around and soldiers around and people walking around with like machine guns and full military gear. Like it's just not unusual to them at all. Um, but this, you know, the, all these soldiers. So we kind of get at this point of the drama, I guess, you know, that's all the setup and what we get from this point on for the first half of the drama or maybe the first eight episodes of the drama is, you know, this kind of ragtag soldier team all trying to hunt this target in the DMZ. Sometimes, you know, the target comes into the village and all this bad shit happens and it's it's very much like a hunt. It's a thriller, creepy hunt drama. And that is when I think the drama was at its best. I think there was still too many characters to kind of, I guess, share the load so that we didn't really get deep enough on the characters that were the most interesting or that really mattered. And certainly I didn't need any of the village stuff because in the end it has nothing to do with anything. I think it was a time waster, but that's just me personally. Um, and I really loved all this stuff, but once the mission is over and they've kind of, they've got the target, that's when, so that's only the last two episodes where I felt like it kind of went downhill for me because I just, that's when the conspiracy stuff comes into it, the politician. And, you know, it turns out that three members of this kind of mine collection team that are undercover actually trying to get this target are all had like parents in the DMZ incident from 1997. I was like that's a coincidence. Like one of them's been sent there as a spy by his dad, but the other two just, they just happen to be there. It's just lucky. Um, so I didn't love that. I thought it was unnecessary. I just didn't think it needed to. I thought I would have just liked it if it was just unrelated people kind of delving up this conspiracy and realizing that this politician is well dirty. I don't think I needed it them all to be related through their parents. Like I think it, it just seemed unnecessary. Um, also one of the biggest like the whole second half of the drama and the conspiracy is built on them finding video content, like an actual video from 1997 that shows the truth of the incident, which is basically this politician guy fucking shot everybody instead of being a hero. He did the other thing and he murdered a whole bunch of people and then lied about it, um, which is all very interesting. But the fact that this like camcorder, video corner from 1997 has turned up over 20 years later in a fucking river stream thing and it's fine it's totally fine it totally works don't even worry about it um I don't like why was it there what was it doing in this stream like why if a camcorder from 1997 was underwater for 23 years is it really okay <laughs> so for me the whole second half or the only the last two episodes to be fair and basically built around this evidence that's found. And I'm like, what? What? I don't think that's how technology from 1997 works. I mean, maybe it is. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe things from 1997 were just sturdier than what they are now. But I'm pretty sure if I dropped my phone underwater, that'd be a problem, particularly if it was underwater for 20 years. I mean, I could be wrong. I don't know. I guess that's all I'll say for the setup, which was a lot. I told you guys a lot. That was basically only the first two episodes that I kind of explained. Then it's it just kind of goes on from there in that sort of hunt stuff, which is when I think the drama was at its best. Um, so now I'm going to go to the stuff I loved. And there was a lot that I loved about this drama.
Wow. So I got to say, I really talk a lot when I do these. Um, I really enjoy it. I love delving into my thoughts after I finish watching a drama, but it really astounds me that anyone is willing to listen to me waffle like this. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. Um, it's really, I love doing this podcast. It's been so fun for me. So anyway, that was a little aside. I'm up to stuff I loved about search and there is so much to enjoy. Um, so the intro and the music, um, the intro, like, you know, the little intro part of this drama is so good. It's so creepy. It's all like, you know, neon lights and infrared and like silhouettes. And it has this really creepy music. I don't know if anyone has seen the American movie called Sicario. Um, it's this really, it's like a thriller. I suppose, but it's a very gritty one and it's, um, I don't know, it's like the, about the drug war or something. It's, I, I really liked it, um, but particularly I loved the cinematography and the music from that movie. It has this very like scary, almost siren sounding music and I feel like Search really tapped into that just so ominous and menacing. Like the theme music is so good. Um, so I've written down that I really loved the first bunch of episodes. So that's all the hunt stuff. Like I loved it when we had a bunch of soldiers hunting a monster basically in the DMZ and there's a bit of infighting between them, which is interesting. There's a lot of tension. Um, and then there's also the fact that they're there to hunt a human, a North Korean soldier that then looks like maybe it's a South Korean soldier that then looks like maybe it's too fast and too strong to be any of those things. And therefore, what the fuck is it like creepy? Um, so I loved that stuff. I thought it was really fun and just different. Um, so I've said here that I loved the concept and the setting and the atmosphere. So atmosphere and setting I've talked about. So that's like the music, the way it's shot, this like sweltering summer, all this outdoors stuff, like in the mountains and these fields and this weird little village in the DMZ. I loved that stuff. I also really loved the concept. Like the idea of this whole drama and this setting and this place that I, I know so little about. Um, was so interesting to me and it really gives the drama a very fresh and unique feeling I think um, because I haven't seen it before it's really different and I really really appreciated just being shown something that I've never seen before um, I also loved the feel like the thriller stuff is really good it's really fun and creepy so I've written that I really liked the ragtag soldier team um, as I've said I feel like some of the characters were more interesting than others and I, I wish that um, Crystal's character Sonia Rim and Yoon Park's character Captain Song were given a fuck ton way more characterization and screen time and I wish the other guys were just like side characters um, which instead of everybody sort of being side characters. Um, but saying that, I did like all the soldier stuff. I liked all the interactions. I liked all the, you know, like little issues and little personal issues between them. And all that stuff was really, really cool. And then, you know, them having to work together in the end to kind of get this target. That stuff was really, really fun. Um, I said in the summer setting, but I've mentioned that a million times. And then the last thing on my list that I loved is what this drama could have been. Like, I feel like atmosphere, setting... The way it looks um, and just the ideas behind it and the casting is really solid. But those ideas behind the show are so good and so unique and so fascinating. And I think it just could have had a slightly different execution, I suppose, or the last half could have been slightly different. And instead of going wide with the conspiracy and tangling up all this legacy of their dads and mums and all that kind of stuff, maybe it could have just dug deeper into a few of the characters. And maybe then 
if it had kind of gone smaller and closer to people in the second or those last two episodes even instead of more expansive like maybe I'd feel really really different about this show like maybe I would have fucking loved it I don't know so I feel like it was really close to being what I wanted but just not quite which you know is still pretty good I think um so now I'm gonna do stuff that I didn't love quite as much Okay, so the stuff that I didn't love quite as much, um, first thing on my list was there's not enough dog stuff. <laughs> I feel like the dog kind of gets sidelined. I wanted more dog stuff. Um, so I said I didn't love the conspiracy. I think I loved the idea of the conspiracy. I think it's great that this 1997 incident has been misreported, but I didn't like the hammy politician and I didn't like how it came in. I just felt like it was kind of boring and I think it should have been exciting. Um, I really didn't love that everyone's fucking parents were involved in the 1997 incident. I think that, I think that the incident would have been just as important and just as, you know, just good for the plot if it hadn't had everyone's parents involved like I think it doesn't make it less important because they don't have a personal stake in it like this is a big deal this conspiracy like it should be the truth should be told whether your dad was there or not like so I just I just felt like that stuff was unnecessary I didn't love this is massive spoiler massive massive but like you know the kind of group one of the ground zero subjects is like the main guy Dong Jin's dad who was everyone reckoned he went to North Korea and defected, but he didn't. He actually got infected and turned into like a mad monster. But he's a good man, mad monster. He's fine. Um, he just has some weird skin and some bright green eyes. Um, but other than that, he's all good. He can't talk, but yeah, he's okay. Um, and I'm like, what the fuck has this man been doing for 23 years? He's literally just been sitting in this building for 23 years, like in the same uniform. Like his clothes are still just fine. I don't know. I thought it was dumb. <laughs> I didn't like it. Also, everyone else who gets infected turns into like a fucking raving lunatic who tries to murder everybody. But Dong Jin's dad was special and he was still nice. <laughs> anyway, whatever. I'm just nitpicking now. <laughs> um, I didn't, I've got on my list, I didn't love that the camcorder, which is the evidence, just floats up from the bottom of the river after 23 years <laughs> stupid I really didn't like the village woman so that's that village Ajuma character uh, I just I thought she was boring <laughs> um uh I've said that you know there's just some underdeveloped characters Yoon Park and Crystal um particularly Crystal like there's moments in this drama where she's a total badass and very cool and does amazing stuff and then there's other moments where she just needs to get saved a lot and I was like leg like she's a better soldier than Dong Jin but at the same time I don't know I feel like they just should have made her fully capable and not had these moments where she turns her back on a zombie and tries to call him on her phone <laughs> but whatever that's fine um I thought there was some unrealistic soldier stuff so like I'm no fucking soldier expert I'm not in the military I have no idea but logically I felt like some of the stuff that happened I was like this doesn't seem right. <laughs> like there's an instance where the boring Ajuma's um, like little daughter goes missing in the DMZ. Like she's fucking walks off into fucking North Korea, basically. <laughs> and all the soldiers are like, whoa, we better go search for her and get her. And um, the Ajuma's like, I better come too. And everyone's like, nah, you can't. You're a civilian. You can't. She's like, yeah, but I used to be a soldier. I'm not anymore. Like I'm not. But how about you give me 
a full soldier outfit and I come with you on a really highly militarized mission where someone could die and I'm sure your government will be okay with that. I was like, fuck no, there's no military person who would would do that. That seems very unprofessional, even if she's, you know, a badass or whatever. Um, but, you know, whatever. There's also this point where so much of the action happens in this place called Sector 21, which is in the DMZ. And that's where, you know, this substance was first sort of let loose and these people have been infected and where Dong Jin's, you know, monstery dad has been hanging out in this little I know, bunker for 23 years. And then everyone has to hike there. It's this big thing. Like they go out and it's really scary. They're in the DMZ, the whole drama. It's like, it's a scary place. You go there because it's off the grid. And then at the very end, the bad guy who's this one-legged politician just fucking hops in his like SUV and drives there and then turns up there. And I was like, hang on, if you could just drive here the whole time, why weren't you driving around in the DMZ from the start? Like, if there's just fucking roads crisscrossing between South and North Korea, why why are you guys walking around in the forest so much? Like, I don't know. It just seemed weird. Um, I don't know. Oh, boring old hammy politician I've written. So I didn't like him. He was stupid. Um, lack of emotion and no exploration of the romance. I've got like, it's not a proper lack of emotion. It's just wasn't as deep or impactful as I wanted. It's not like it's not there though. There are some very, very likable characters, but I think that it just could have been deeper. Um, and again, the romance peters out and I would have liked more of it. Um, so that's it for the stuff that I didn't love so much. I'm going to talk about the ending just a tiny bit, but not really. <laughs> I just wanted to talk about Yoon Park's character, um, Captain Song. He just gets the dumbest death that I have ever seen <laughs> for such an interesting character. Like the whole time you're like, is he evil? Is he not evil? Is he on board with a conspiracy? Is he going to come back and help the good guys? Like, where does he stand? What's going on? He's just walking the line the whole time. And then at the very end, they're all in Sector 21 in this bunker and they're like running around with the soldiers and these these bad South Korean mercenary soldiers on behalf of this evil politician turn up to like basically murder everybody. And you're like, oh, maybe Captain Song's going to turn good now, like because he's kind of in on it. But then he doesn't seem to turn good. And then the mercenaries just sort of put their guns on him. So I guess he has no choice but to like join the good guys again because otherwise he's going to die and then he kind of like helps Dong Jin to blow up a wall and blow up all the soldiers and gets sort of blown up in the process and then Dong Jin goes and finds him and Captain Song is just like fucking covered in blood and like you know clearly he's just been blown up he's got blood coming out of his ears and he's like trying to stand up and he's falling on the ground and Dong Jin helps him up and Captain Song's like I'm going to go and, and complete the mission and get this substance that I've been ordered to get for the politician. And Dong Jin's like, how about you don't do that? You're probably going to die. And Captain Song's like, no, we walk on different paths now. Like, I have to do this. And I'm like, why? The politician just ordered for you to get shot in the head. Like, if you bring him the substance, he's not going to be happy. He's just going to kill you. So I was like, all right, I guess he's got a plan. I guess, I guess there's some reason that he's doing this. And then he walks off, like really staggers off into a different room. And it turns out that he doesn't have a plan for doing this. And what he does is he sits on the ground and fucking dies. <laughs> like literally he just sits down and he's like, bleh, bleh, and there's blood like everywhere. And then he's just dead. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, that's it. All that 
like interesting stuff going on, this anti-hero thing, this like, is he good? Is he bad? And, I, and then he just dies. And I'm like, is he good? Is he bad? Is he an idiot? I don't fucking know. And I thought it just seemed so weirdly abrupt. And then I also felt like when you think about it, Dong Jin blows up a wall and it blows up all these dudes, but these are evil mercenary dudes, so it's fine. But it also blows up Captain Song and Captain Song leaves the room and promptly dies, which means that Dong Jin sort of accidentally killed Captain Song, which I guess because it happened, he died in a different room, it's fine. And Dong Jin doesn't have to feel guilty about that. I mean, it's not his fault, but still. So I thought that was dumb. <laughs> Um, yeah, didn't love it. Um, but that's all I'll say about the end. There was other stuff that happened at the end too, and it was fine. There's some cool action though. I really liked all the action stuff. Um, actually all the action was quite thrilling and exciting. Um, so anyway, I think that's it from me on search. Oh, probably if you listen to this, you're like, wow, she really fucking hated this drama. I didn't. I really liked it. Um, I think I kind of three quarters liked it. And then there's just a quarter that I happen to rant on about a lot to you guys. Um, that I just didn't think was like very good. Um, but I actually think it's well worth a watch. I, I wouldn't say don't watch it to anybody. I think it's really good and it's unique and it's interesting. It just isn't quite what I wanted it to be. And I feel like I'm being quite harsh on it um, because I have noticed like if a drama, which so often happens in a K-drama, that it hooks my heart, like hooks me emotionally in such an authentically strong way that I love it and I will completely dismiss any kind of plot hole or surface level you know, issue <laughs> with with a character decision or anything like that. Like if the if the emotions feel authentic and make me feel something, I'll be like, oh, I don't care if the rest of it's very silly. But this drama, I think because it didn't have that underbelly of really deep emotion, I was much more picky about the plot holes and the issues than I would normally be, I think, um, which is, you know, sad for this drama because I just sort of ranted and raved a little bit but whatever I feel like I've talked for a really long time and I should stop now so that's it for me on search the late 2020 OCN thriller drama which is 10 episodes long thank you for listening So now it is time for my random thing of the week. And I have a little weird history thing, which I think is really interesting. And I'm definitely no expert. And I'm just going to sort of talk a little bit about what I read in a book. <laughs> um, so I think that a lot of listeners or watchers of K-drama who have ever watched historicals have probably heard of this really famous Joseon thief called Hong Gil-dong. So there's numerous dramas about Hong Gil-dong. Um, and I think he's just like such a popular character, I guess, in like almost Korean pop culture as well as history. Um, so he's basically, I guess, you know, if you're from the West and you know Western, kind of folk tales like you've heard of the Robin Hood kind of thing so I think it's a little bit similar to that um, but very interestingly uh, Hong Gil Dong lived he was a real dude in the Joseon dynasty there are mention of him in like the old Joseon annals and stuff like that like the records and he was one of three very very famous bandits um, during the Joseon dynasty which is super bonkers interesting um so I don't know much about it at all and I just read a tiny bit in a book um but basically Hong Gil Dong was operating I don't even know when when's this 1500s 
Probably should have looked that up before I uh, started uh, recording this. Anyway, he was operating at some point in the Joseon dynasty. Um, but what happened is a book about 100 years after he actually lived, um, a book was written about him, which is like, you know, a novel, basically a hero tale. And that version of events is what has become kind of well known in pop culture in Korea, I suppose. Um, but in truth, so what happened at the end of Hong Gil-dong's life in real life is people aren't exactly sure, but he, you know, he was a thief who apparently used to dress up in the garb of high ranking officials, which obviously you shouldn't do that. Or, you know, you weren't meant to do that because very, um, I guess, strict sort of class status and divide in Joseon at that time. So pretending to be a high ranking official is you know, not considered very good. So apparently he would walk straight into provincial government offices in broad daylight. Um, so his band of followers was so powerful that no rural leader proved capable of dealing with it. So eventually, though, they did manage to, the government managed to arrest Hong Gil-dong. Um, but apparently he was not held by the Bureau of Police, which would have normally at that time handled common thieves, but instead he was held by the state tribunal. So that is a department that dealt with young bun cr criminals, so criminals of like the higher noble class, and also traitors. So kind of, I guess, criminals that were considered very important. Um, so it's just a sign, my book says, of Hong Gil-dong's importance in the view of the royal court at that time, which is very interesting because Hong Gil-dong was, you know, a commoner of lowly birth, and yet he became such a big figure. So it says that no record, however, remains of Hong's demise. So there's a record saying that he, you know, was arrested and he was taken to the state tribunal, but there's no record of what happened to him after that point. Presumably nothing good. <laughs> but interestingly enough, um, because I suppose there's no record of whether he lived or died, there's this rumor that survived um, from the time that apparently he, you know, escaped and he traveled to the faraway Ruku islands, um, which is, I think, now a part of Japan, but at that time was like a separate kingdom, um, and that Hong Gil-dong became a king there. Um, so that's very interesting. I, I just think that's really crazy. Um, and so 60 years after Hong Gil-dong was running around pretending to be officials and robbing people, there was another great bandit of Joseon Korea. And this guy's name is Im Guk-jong, I think. <laughs> so this guy was very active as well. He had a band of thieves and he was really famous for robbing houses of tyrannical young men, so noblemen and greedy rich people, as well as intercepting various valuable shipments of goods on their way to the capital city. So again, super exciting. So apparently the government tried to hunt him down for many years and didn't manage it, but eventually they captured one of his dudes from his band of thieves and managed to turn this guy. Presumably they tortured the fuck out of this guy, sadly. And there was kind of a plot put together to, um, I guess, ambush this, this big thief dude. What's his name? Jong. Um, and so apparently they, that all went off without a hitch and this great thief Gukjong actually died with so many arrows in his body that it says here that he looked like a porcupine. So that's lovely, isn't it? How lovely. Um, but again, he got turned into like a novel later. Um, and then the last great bandit of Joseon was called Jung Gil-san, and he was a former entertainer. Um, so he's of the Baekjong class, which is like the very lowest, I suppose, of the low uh, in Joseon at that time. 
Um, but interestingly enough, this guy actually survived. So I think it's really interesting. Uh, they call him a righteous thief. I think that's what they call all of them because they're kind of, um, they're bandits, but they're sort of pushing back against corrupt government and, you know, stealing from rich, greedy people, all that kind of Robin Hood shit, I suppose. Um, but this dude, he had some pretty lofty aspirations, this third bandit. And apparently he actually had his sights set on the capital and potentially establishing a new state, which didn't happen. Um, but the government kept going after him. They sent like a lot of people trying to capture him and kill him. And this guy, this last bandit actually just melted away and disappeared and never got caught, which I think is really cool. And then there's all these rumors or a legend that he went all the way up to the very like northern region of Joseon and established like a utopian village where young bun and like lowly classes all live together in harmony, which I think is a very interesting little story. Um, so that was probably a bit of a waffle, but I don't know. I get very, I think my imagination gets very captured by stories like that from the past. And I think by people operating on the fringes of society and doing things against the grain, um, particularly interesting things like that. Apparently at the time, um, particularly the last two great thieves were operating, there was very, very harsh sort of government laws um, on, uh, I guess, taxing. So like if you were a peasant out in the countryside, you could farm or do do something like that or go collect, I don't know, food from the mountains, but you would have to give so much of it to the government as tax that you were just barely surviving. And apparently um, in a place where I think at least two of these thieves were operating, the taxes were really, really extreme in that area. And that's why I guess the pressure was so bad on these people to survive that they really rose up and, you know, did something a little bit different. So anyway, that was a very long waffle. That was my random thing of the week. Now it's time for my something I'm loving section this week. It's quite random. It's quite, quite, well, it was very unrelated to anything, but I thought I'd share it just because it is something that I've been thinking about and really loving. Um, so when I was a lot younger, um, I was really obsessed with a band called The Strokes. Um, I freaking loved them. I loved them so much. Um, I think I had a massive crush on the lead singer Julian Casablancas for many, many years. Um, so they released a new album in 2020, which I have become obsessed with. It's so good. Um, so it's just been really fun. And I think it's nice to you know, just have something that you're enjoying so much like that. I don't know. It just feels so fun and exciting. And I guess like a rediscovery of something that I used to love so much. And it's really interesting coming back to it now after all this time and realizing I still love it as much as I used to. Um, but to hear new music from, from a band like that's been really cool. So anyway, that's just a really random thing that I've been enjoying. So it's an album called The New Abnormal by The Strokes from 2020. I don't know. I think it's really, really cool. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, and I also forgot to mention that this week's drama that I'm chatting about was actually a K-drama club drama. Um, and those are the ones that I watch with my friend Lizzie, who I met through this podcast. Hello, Lizzie. Thanks for watching this show with me. <laughs> So 
So I do just want to say a massive shout out and thank you to my patrons, to those people that have chosen to support me on Patreon. Thank you guys so much. I really, really, really appreciate it. It's very encouraging um, just in enabling me to continue sinking a lot of my time into these creative projects that I do really love to do. Um, but, you know, <laughs> they, they take a little while. So um, it really, really means a lot to me. So thank you. Um, I have been trying really hard to kind of um, get some extra episodes up onto my Patreon. So my exclusive waffle pod episodes are up there. Um, some of them I have to admit probably a bit waffly, just me kind of, um, you know, going on and on about tropes that I like or that are weird or just random dramas that I've started but maybe didn't finish or other ones that I did. Um, but this week I did kind of try something new. I put up a bit of a poll for listeners so they could choose um, an episode for me to rope G into doing an extra guest gab on the Patreon Waffle Pod. Um, so I put up two dramas for listeners to choose from, but they both won. So there you go. <laughs> so we're doing one this month, which I've just put up, which was very, very fun for me. So we did, um, G and I did the first episode of Scarlet Heart Row, um, Moon Lovers Scarlet Heart. So that was lots and lots of fun for me. So I think hopefully we'll continue to do little fun things like that. Um, so if you do want to check that out, you can. It's at patreon.com slash Lee Evie. And thank you again to my Patreon supporters. It means a lot.